This is Dee Carball, Zeb's mom. I'm visiting them in their new abode, and Zeb asked if uh, I wanted to say something on his podcast. So, hi, everybody. This week, um, I'm not really sure I would have anything to say. I, I know it's related to video games and such, which is really not anything that I know anything about. But anyway, enjoy my son. I do. And um, there you go. Enjoy the next uh, episode of Who to Thunk It. Well, howdy, Who to Thunkers. This is the host of the Who to Thunk It podcast, Zeb, coming at you with episode 110, 110, called Killer Priests. Before we get into the main topic, we'll do the recommendation segment. But a little disclaimer I am uh, fighting off. Hopefully the end of a cold cold here. So if I sound a bit congested, well, just have to deal with it. Um, the recommendation segment this week is um, a video game that I played called Vigor. It's an indie game and it is free to play. This is the video game that my mom was talking about. Uh, the recommendation segments about a video game. Um, and thank you for that intro, mom. Uh, you'll be hearing a recommendation segment from her in one of the future episodes. So that won't be the last you hear of D. Carball, the mother of your host. Anyway, Vigor the Video Game is free-to-play online survival shooter game. It's by a Czech studio, Bohemia Interactive. So it's an indie game from the from Czech, which is pretty cool. It was originally developed for the Xbox One. It is set in a post-apocalyptic world where radiation poisoning and other survivors are the biggest threat. You play as an outlander or survivor who must thrive in this harsh environment. The game is now available on PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and PlayStation 5. It is considered a survival game, action game, third-person shooter, adventure game, tactical shooter, and... If I ever try to explain it to somebody, it sounds like a battle royale, you know, like Fortnite, but it's not. It's different. Um, anyway, uh, it tries to be as realistic as possible with the sound if you're running around and you can get places faster, but your footsteps will be heard by enemy, every enemy nearby. It's very loud. On the other hand, you can crawl around, you make less noise, but your movement is very slow. So you have to, it's very, where when you play Call of Duty, it's like run, shoot, kill, or die respawn real fast that's not this this is more like slow paced strategic you're more like it's more like a hunting game but you're hunting people sort of also you can play the game um not trying to kill people i always have had a hard time explaining how the game works to friends because it sounds like another battle royale game like i said but it isn't um it's not fortnite it's not call of duty uh what is it war zones not like that you don't have to actually kill anyone in order to be successful in the match in fact some players go into matches completely unarmed and attempt to make friends they wave they say hello whatever any equipment you bring into a match or encounter as they call it in the game will be lost if you die during the match so when you bring bigger guns more ammo more bombs whatever grenades whatever if you die you lose all of it and it's valuable so you can bring more stuff you'll be more well equipped but also, if you bring nothing, you're not very well equipped, but you also lose nothing if you die. So there's a give and take there. Um, also, makes it cooler when you take out another enemy. You know that it's not like Call of Duty. You're not just changing their statistics in the game, their kill-death ratio or whatever. You're actually taking their equipment. You're taking their gun. You're taking their grenade. You're taking whatever they brought with them. So it's pretty cool. You actually take what they have left in their inventory so some choose to just bring a pistol or knife so that they don't lose too much the overall objective is to go into encounters find some resources that you bring back to your settlement the settlement starts out as this like ramshackle house that you can improve and fix up 
uh, with more resources that you get. So you do like build on your house. Um, I have included some short clips of me playing figure on the blog. Um, so check those out and some other people's. And then at the end of the blog, I put even more videos just because I, I like making clips. It's a fun game. Now for the main event, here we go. This is about the killer priest here. Uh, there once was a boy who everyone thought was queer. He liked to watch the butchers while they killed the pigs and steer. His name was Hans Smith, born in Germany, 1881. What was odd about him was how he had his fun. Watching animals be slaughtered wasn't his only passion, a murderer in the making of the darkest fashion. The Roman Catholic faith fascinated him. He played a priest, memorized every song in him. These two childhood obsessions would eventually converge into a frightening man that this world would rather purge. He killed a woman in cold blood, then pled insanity. Hans Schmidt, the killer priest, a story of shame and depravity. All right, so enough of the rhyming there. I don't know why I started writing this podcast. I was like, I'm going to make it a poem. I'm not going to do the whole thing as a, <laughs> as a rhyming poem uh, because that would be really difficult. But I had fun writing that part. <laughs> Hopefully I nailed it. Um, anyway, enough of the rhyming. This week's episode is about Father Hans Schmidt, as you heard in my poem there, the only Catholic priest to ever be executed on United States soil. And it is a spooky murder story that I hope you will enjoy. But beware, for this material is quite mature, not for children, talks about some gross stuff here. So not for the faint of heart. Today's episode is about Hans Schmidt. Hans was born in the town of Asch... Let's give this a try here, pronunciation. Aschef... Ah. Aschaffensburg, uh, Germany, is part of the Free State of Bavaria in Germany. His father Heinrich was a Protestant and his mother Gertrude a Catholic. So those two have not always gotten along, uh, those two faiths. Heinrich, his father, worked on the railroad while Gertrude was busy with ten children, which that's a lot. Gertrude reportedly became depressed and instead of raising uh, their children, she spent most of her time in the Catholic Church. This infuriated Heinrich, partially because of the neglect of his children, and partially because of the Catholicism. You know, he's Protestant, so he, he's like, why would you spend time there? Historically speaking, like I said, the two-faced Protestant and Catholic haven't always gotten along. Um, you know, ask the Irish, ask a lot of people. Um, it's There's been some issues. Now, today, they're not that at much at odds, but there used to be wars between the two-faced, so makes sense. They didn't get along late 1800s heinrich would have outbursts of anger with terrified which terrified young hans and lucky for hans sarcastically both sides of his family tree were riddled with mental illness so not the greatest start in life for hans here his grandfather suffered a mental breakdown that his family always talked about and he, he was a chronic alcoholic um to the point where you know it what's, what's what killed him a common cause of death in his extended family was suicide so not great not um you know I think I'd rather have like heart disease being run in the family than mental illness to the point of suicide. That sounds horrible. Hans and his uh, siblings were regularly beaten by their father, Heinrich. And, you know, Heinrich was a respectable man to the community, but a quick tempered wife and child beater at home. So, not a great situation there either. All this from his father, while at the same time his mother would dress him up as a little Catholic priest and, and refer to Hans as, quote, her little priest. So. Yeah. Uh, oh, while his dad was Protestant, didn't like Catholicism at all. Um, and she would do that, but she had a hard time you know, raising her kids. So when he was just a boy, he liked to hang around the slaughterhouses. That's what Hans liked to do for fun. While his mom's dressing him up as a priest, his dad's beating him. 
He liked to go to the slaughterhouses. Not a typical pastime for kids. He said he was fascinated by animals, uh, the animal suffering. Okay, great. He used body parts and blood scraps from the slaughterhouse in his own little made-up rituals that he played as the priest. So he would get like a little altar, makeshift altar, take like blood and, and guts from the slaughterhouse and be like, oh, I sacrificed the making up fake rituals, not actual Catholic rituals. He was fascinated with drinking blood and dismembering animals of his own. So yeah, tell, tell or tall tale signs that he was going to be a serial killer. He and another neighborhood boy liked to sneak into the slaughterhouse and masturbate, which is great, you know, around all that blood, Con confusing sexuality with slaughter. Uh, what a great combination. At the age of 19, Hans began to study for priesthood in the Catholic Church. At the same time, he was exploring his bisexual nature. Two things that don't normally go together. Um, it is reported that Hans had an affair with a man who had already had a wife and kids, all while trying to become a Catholic priest. Back in 1904, just two days before Christmas, Hans Smith was ordained into the Catholic Church at the age of 25, really recruiting the cream of the crop there. Catholicism. In 1905, Hans got caught making counterfeit diplomas for failed school students. He would continue his hobby of forgery throughout his life. He loved forging things, making fake diplomas. This part about him, I kind of like. <laughs> I don't know why. I've always been uh, impressed with people who can forge things and counterfeit things. It's kind of like sticking it to the man. Like, I always thought it was a dumb premise that our society works on this piece of paper says that you're good at this thing. So listen to this piece of paper. Whereas, you know, meanwhile, anyone with a computer nowadays or back then, I guess, good penmanship could just forge that piece of paper. It's a stupid premise that our society goes on. But I, anyway, that's probably the only thing I like about Hans. Uh, everything else, no. Um, now, <laughs> the prosecution on the case for his forgery uh, wanted to throw Hans in prison, but his father, Heinrich, hired a lawyer. Now, it's important to know that this lawyer pl uh, pled insanity for Hans or what they called mental defect and got Hans out of the charges. Um, and that's a common thing here in his life. It worked. That's the point. In a, a legal courtroom, they said, this guy's crazy. You shouldn't try it. You shouldn't charge him. And they're like, yeah, you're right. He is pretty crazy. By 1912, he was practicing as a priest in St. Saint Boniface Church on Manhattan's east side. So he's now no longer in Germany. He is in New York. At the same time, Hans was at St. Boniface. I'm not pronouncing that correctly either. Boniface. St. Boniface Church, uh, there worked a young Austrian woman named Anna Almula. Uh, she was a housekeeper, and the two began a most forbidden love affair. I mean, he's a priest. He shouldn't be having any kind of love affair, but it's even more scandalous because they kept it secret, and she was a housekeeper where he worked, you know, person of authority. Not great. Got a picture of Anna here. She looks like a nice, respectable lady. Um, I don't Maybe she was a terrible person. I don't know. But just based off of this, what you hear in this story, she seems okay. The two were married during a secret wedding ceremony on February 26, 1913. Um, too many dates get boring, but try to keep these in mind. February of 1913, they get their fake marriage done. Hans performed the ceremony himself. Of course he did. I bet there's no one else in, in present. But within one year of their marriage, illegitimate and illegal marriage, Anna told Hans that she was pregnant. So same year, they, they, get, they get fake married. The priest knew that if society heard a should-be celibate priest married and impregnated Anna, that would be bad. So, uh, you know, he would no longer be allowed to be a priest and would most likely be shunned by his community. During their illegitimate marriage, Hans was having an affair with uh, a boy named Ernest Murray, 
So Hans was very passionate about Ernest as well. So he's sleeping around on his fake marriage, sleeping around on his vow of celibacy. It's he's just doing whatever he wants. And like we said earlier, his mind sort of meshes his sexuality with slaughtering and blood drinking and stuff. So not great. It was September 2nd of 1913, uh, the same year that Anna and Hans had gotten married, that Hans decided to take things into his own hands. That night in Manhattan apartment uh, that he had rented for Anna, Hans took up a 12-inch butcher's knife and cut through Anna's throat. He then proceeded to saw off her head with a rusty hacksaw and cut her body in half, hoping they would never be found. Um, Hans dumped Anna's remains into the Hudson River. So not a very respectable way to get rid of your wife. Um, I mean, obviously he killed her, but also just he's a priest. You would think at least he would bury her in some kind of informal way. But it just goes to show his level of disrespect and disregard for his not only his faith, but his wife and just respect for life that he just tossed her in the river. He's a priest, for Christ's sake. And his remains washed ashore and the authorities were able to trace them back to Hans Schmidt. Almost immediately after police arrived at Hans's house, he confessed. He didn't keep it hidden, not only uh, to her murder, but to their illegal marriage as well. Supposedly, Hans said something while he's being arrested to the fact or said something like that. I loved her. Sacrifices should be consummated in blood. Some sick shit that. That's, that's great. Very inappropriate. Um, a, at trial, Hans tried to plead insanity again. Um, his lawyers tried to back that up. He said that Anna had died during an abortion attempt and that her death came as a shock to him. Rather than face the humiliation and shame from the community, he decided to chop her body up and throw it in the Hudson River, uh, but he had no part in her death. So that was his, his story. She died during an abort and a failed abortion attempt. Uh, yeah, all those other terrible things about me are true. Yes, I broke my vow of celibacy. Yes, I did chop her up, but that was only because I didn't want to be ashamed by the fact that I impregnated a woman, but I didn't actually kill her. Uh, but the judge refuted Hans' claims. You know, they had the knife, so 12-inch knife. The jury of his peers convicted Hans of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to death by electrocution. And then on February 18th of 1916, this is just like just under three years since he had this illegitimate marriage, he was executed by electrocution. To this day, he's the only priest to be executed on U.S. soil. And that's it. That is the full story of Hans Schmidt. Uh, I'm sure I could have dug more deeply, and I'm sure there's a, you might even be able to find some other podcasts out there but more deeply about his story. But I just covered the main, de main de um, plot points there. And I don't know. It's kind of disgusting, <laughs> the whole story. But it's also, I mean, he was a pretty bad dude. He was the only priest executed. Well, I think I'm not in favor of capital punishment. I don't think it's whether someone deserves to die. I think, you know, if there was an objectual judgment, Hans Schmidt probably deserved to die. But my whole thing is I don't think people should have the power to wield that, you know, as a society. You know what I mean? It's already bad when an individual decides to kill. But when an, when the overall society that we all prescribe to and has we give like the ultimate power to is like, yes, now I can legally kill people. I don't like that. But anyway, um, he was a pretty bad dude. I would have no problem with locking him away forever. Because um, that was just, like I said, the disregard didn't bury her through in the Hudson. Anyway, thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. That was episode 110 of the Huda Thunker podcast. Once again, thank you for my mom for that lovely intro. Uh, be on the lookout for her giving some recommendation segment in the future. And tune in next week, Huda Thunkers.
Oh, 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 oh,